On Personally Speaking this week, our guest is film producer, writer, and director Sean McNamara talking about his faith and the movies that he makes celebrating faith. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and Sean McNamara joins me now. Sean is an award-winning director, writer, and producer of family dramas, including the breakout hit feature film, Soul Surfer. His latest film is called Moonrise, currently streaming on Pure Flix, starring country music singer Granger Smith in his film debut. Moonrise is about faith and forgiveness and tells a story about one family's struggle to survive. In 2023, Sean McNamara will have two other films coming out as well, one on the life of Ronald Reagan and one called On a Wing and a Prayer. Sean McNamara co-founded the production company Brookwell McNamara Entertainment with business partner David Brookwell. Together, they have produced 30 feature films for Paramount Pictures, Sony Pictures Entertainment, TriStar Pictures, New Line Cinema, Lionsgate, and Universal Studios. Sean has worked with a number of A-list actors, such as Pierce Brosnan, Helen Hunt, William Hurt, John Boyd, Marissa Tomei, and James Woods. For television, Sean has produced many series and movies, including more than 500 episodes of Hulu, Netflix, CBS, ABC, and the Disney Channel. When asked what message he hopes people will take away from his films, he says, never give up. Sean McNamara is here with us today to tell us about his message, working in Hollywood on faith-based films, and the values that sustain him. Sean, thanks, first of all, for coming on Personally Speaking. I'm going to start with some personal stuff. Um, one of six children. What's it like to come from a big Catholic family? Wow. Um, my mom, I used to call Mrs. Catholic. I mean, we went to church every Sunday. Any town we would visit, we hit the church. It was like a ritual with us. And I, I remember when I was 28, finally, and I got a chance to take my mom to Rome, I took her to the Vatican, and I go, this is payback for all those times uh, that I had to go to church all the time. And uh, <laughs> and she got to see the Pope, the Pope, the, the audience with the Pope with like 2,000 other people, but the Pope walked, John Paul II walked right by her. And, um, but you know, we sat around together, we prayed a lot, my sisters still like pray. If anything comes up that we need, even for one of my movies or my jobs, I go, we're gonna say a rosary, Sean, blah, 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 blah. So it is very much instilled in our in our family. And growing up, uh, I obviously I read the thing about uh, you know your, your dad giving you the camera, getting you interested in making movies. But but what about the kind of films that you would have seen back then that uh, that would have touched you or inspired you or made you say, I, I, "This is a world I want to know better." Well, there were tons. I mean, I think one of the earliest memories of me going to a movie and seeing a movie or understanding it was the the sound of music, okay. and. Um, so musicals have been an extreme part of my life. And um, I I just remember I would see things probably that were older to me for me because I was number six in the family. They would take me to older uh, people's movies. And um, I just loved them. I, I didn't have any concept of, you know, making them. I was just, I just loved to do it. I loved to see five or six movies in a day. I loved to watch television, Gilligan's Island, Star Trek. 
And all of those things ultimately were preparing me for what I was going to eventually do. But you don't know that at the time. So when my dad gave me the camera, it was just a fun thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I very soon realized, oh, I it, it, for a school assignment, I could make a little film on Super 8. And I would project that to the class. And it was like I could get out of a, a, a homework assignment. And so very quickly, I was like, this is good. If I can do these little films and not have to actually do real work, this is great. And it wasn't until like I got through high school that said, oh, there's an actual job here. My friend's dad used to, uh, Marty Pacetta used to direct the Academy Awards. And that's when I started putting two to two together. There was somebody behind the camera that actually made all this stuff happen. And I would just beg him to get me a meeting with his dad. Uh, to actually get a shot of doing something in the business. I had no idea what. Um, but I finally got that interview with Marty Pacetta. And he goes, so, Sean, what do you do? And I just stared at him with a blank face. Like, uh, <laughs> I prepared for that. But I go, I'm in a band. I plug in microphones. I play guitar. And he goes, audio, that's for you. And he calls <laughs> me up. Uh, somebody up on the phone. I have no idea who's on the other side while he's talking to, like, Bob Hope on one side and all this and I, my first official job in the business was doing Ronald Reagan's inauguration, the balls. I did audio. So I flew out to Washington, D.C. and plugged in the microphone for Ronald Reagan. Now, that's going to be a perfect segue, as you know. Uh, th- this attempt, I hope, very, very successful to do a film on the life of Ronald Reagan. How did you get involved in that? And what did you learn about the man by doing the film? Well... Uh, first of all, um, I have no idea how I ultimately uh, got the job. John Alvelson, I think, was originally slated to do it. He was the director of Rocky, and he passed away. Right. And somehow it fell into my lap, and I brought on Dennis Quaid. And um, so it was a journey to to bring this together. And, of course, there was tons of research. And, and you know, you I, he was the first president I voted for when I turned 18 mm-hmm. and so forth. And, you know, I knew that he was uh, known as a B actor and that he was governor of California. And then he was the president of the United States. And I grew up along that. But doing the movie, we went back to when he was 11 years old, who his mother was, the Christian. Um, I had no idea he was such a Christian. I had no idea that he was bullied and he had his mother would lock him outdoors until he fought back. I had no idea that he, uh, you know, when he was the vice president and president of the Screen Actors Guild, he would get into scrapes and actual physical fistfights with the unions. So that's what made this film so fun to go, oh, wait, there's a real man behind this president that went through these these life um, you know, challenges that got him ready to be president. But ultimately, the amount of faith that that guy had is unbelievable. And his his strong faith is what like led him to all his morals and to why he did what he did. And it, that comes out a lot in, in Reagan the movie. Would you say that uh, he is, at this point, your favorite president? I would say so, yeah. I would yeah, say yeah. that. I think for a lot of us, that would be true and stuff. 1976, I went to a conference called the Christian Anti-Communism Crusade, and he was the speaker. And it's just striking to me that even in 1976, he kind of knew where he was heading in terms of uh, trying to bring down the wall, Mr. Gorbachev, and and accomplish amazing things. Um, Let's go back to films of inspiration, the whole idea of being in the arts. You know, Sean McNamara is our guest. You know that uh, lots of people get into the arts for a while as an avocation. But the idea of investing your life in the arts uh, is a risky business. As you know, there are lots of people in the arts who may not work for years. 
the the courage or the uh, tenacity or the uh, the foolhardiness on your part to say, I'm going to make a living by getting into the creative arts. What went into that decision? Well, it's very interesting. I I went, I literally went to Catholic school for 16 years of my life, eight years at St. <laughs> ben Bar, and I was four years at Loyola High School. And again, going into college back then in 1976, I wasn't quite sure where to go to college and all that stuff. But by that time, I'd taken photography, I'd done a lot of plays and musicals, and I... Um, I wanted to get in, I heard about cinematography, wanted to get into film school. So I applied to USC and to Loyola. And at USC, I got into the drama department, like as an actor. But at uh, Loyola Marymount, I got into um, the film school or um, communication arts, as they called it back then. And um, I felt more comfortable behind the camera. Like I liked being in, you know, on stage and that stuff, but there was an uncomfortable feeling I had. I was much happier when I could like make something and just set it on somebody's desk and say, just watch it. This is what I do. So from back then, I kind of knew that I wanted it. And my family was super supportive. They used to say, well, just go knock on the door at Disney Studios. We lived 11 houses away from Walt Disney Studios in Burbank. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works, mom. It's like, I don't know, but whatever. So I did this. I went to school. I learned how to make movies, film history, theory, so forth. And um, and then just in my 20s, worked on every job. I was a PA. And, and here's the thing. I loved every job. I loved pouring coffee for people. I'd say, here's your coffee. Would you like a black? And by the way, I'm a director if you have anything. And literally that paid off because by me saying it enough, little projects would come up at these little companies I'd work with and go, hey, can you do this little commercial over here or this little thing there? So I was constantly getting the little, you know, little bits of work at these companies. And um, but every once in a while, it was tough. I'd go six months without work, eight months without like a real mm -hmm. job at all. And my mom would say, you know, four of my sisters were teachers. Why don't you get your teaching credential? You know, you'll have something to fall back on. And I kept going. If I have something to fall back on, I'll fall back on it. So I just kept going and going. And somehow these little jobs, little, you know, PSAs or whatever, uh, led me to meet uh, somebody. And I made my first movie when I was 27 called Hollywood Chaos. And that was like $500,000. But all these little bits just kept growing at little uh, micro uh, levels. But it, it eventually, you know, like kind of caught on. I, I did like... Uh, Candid Camera, Totally Hidden Video. That show brought me all over the country for like three weeks playing jokes on people. Again, it was me directing with three cameras, hiding in the, you know, behind mirrors and so forth. But um, what it did is it solidified directing's it, just keep going for it. And then what was amazing, I, I got up for this job, Three Ninjas. And it was like, they had already made the first Three Ninjas at Disney. It was a real movie. And all I wanted to ever do, I was praying, please, God, let me just have re regular family movies I can do. And I'm in their office. And this guy from Korea, he's looking at me and he goes, you know, uh, where did you go to college? And I'm like seeing, sitting there, literally, I'm, I'm like wearing tennis shoes and a backwards baseball cap, cap <laughs> trying to look directorial. And I'm like thinking, gosh, I should just say USC. They'll they'll never know, you know, uh, and, and it'll sound more impressive. And I just I couldn't. And I go, well, I went to Loyola Marymount University for film school. And he goes, you went to Loyola? I went to Loyola. <laughs> I was like, whoa. I mean, it was like the the craziest thing that just happened live there. And and it's and I got the gig. I got to be able to direct uh, Three Ninjas part, part three or four with Hulk Hogan. Um, but that was like the real first movie that I, I actually got to do. Um, 
So anyway, that's like the quick, long sure. version of how you know, I got I'm here. I'm getting a sense of how it happened and uh, the humility in you to take those coffee pouring jobs and and god bless you that it led to wonderful things let's go back for a second we talked about family of origin and they obviously planted good catholic seed that produced abundant fruit but now you know you're the family man so do you know for our listeners and watchers who are parents and grandparents is there a right and wrong way to try to pass this faith that we love on to the next generation it's a very good question and um I have three boys of my own, and it's it's very challenging in today's society to get them. It was like it seemed easier when I was doing thing, and plus I had a mother who was just like, "You got to go to church. This is it. <laughs> Pray for this. This is how you get it." So you know what I try to do is instill in my boys service, and um, and like just this last Thanksgiving, we went to the LA Mission and um, helped feed the homeless. It was actually with uh, the support of the Reagan film. Um, but it's important that they go out and see in society, you know, there's a lot of service that needs to be done. And I just, I believe in boots on the ground. You've got to go do it yourself. And that was one of the things at Loyola High School, they um, actually asked us to do that when we were, you know, when we were like 14 to 18 years old. So I'm trying to have my boys do that now and just go do stuff for other people and 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 help them you can't help everybody all the time but you can help if everybody helped every a little bit the world would just be a better place and that's is is what i do to try to get my sons to to be more christian more catholic and mm -hmm. um yeah sean mcmaris i guess sean you know when um when you are an unapologetic catholic christian as you are uh th there's some folks who say you know well Hollywood's not always going to smile on that kind of personality. Have you run into any kind of resistance by others because this guy's got faith and I find that annoying? Well, here's the thing. I'm sure that that exists, but my experience has been, and I've been lucky that right now there's this new group of films. They they call it um, faith-based or faith-friendly. And, you know, I made Soul Surfer on that. And I, I did that at Sony. And I remember... Um, when I did that, Rich Peluso, who was the head of Sony Affirm, said, you know, the, the, they're trying to find films to do. And behind the Pope, Bethany Hamilton is the like the number one known Christian out there. Mm -hmm. And the other thing he taught me was that there's this Christian audience and it's very narrow, but it's very deep. And if you hit it just right, you're yeah. going to um, you're going to hit it, but you can miss it very easily. And I was like saying, but look, I want to make movies that everybody wants to see. And I, I feel like Christians want to see good movies. Right. And I feel like there's a way to hit both. And I guess his experience wasn't, but that's what we aimed for when we made Soul Surfer, was that it's just a really good film, but it happens to have a, a young girl of faith at the center of the story and to not overdo it. And that's what... So anyway, I've done The Miracle Season, Soul Surfer, Hoovy um spare parts reagan very much so that have these um faith elements just because they're true they're just these people and there is an audience for that i don't know if it's the whole audience you know out there but there's definitely gosh i remember growing up on films like it's a wonderful life and so that the christianity was in all of the films it was just right. kind of there and it was it was fantastic but it wasn't necessarily about being a christian film it was just a good film that oh this one character you know had christian values and so forth so i just keep plugging away going forward like that just doing the best films i can i have a film coming out on easter sunday 
called On a Wing and a Prayer with Dennis Quaid and Heather Graham. And it's a true story about the White family who um, took an airplane ride on Easter Sunday. They were coming home from his brother's funeral and they had trouble. Um, in fact, the pilot passed away when they were uh, up in the air going up. And so um, that movie comes out uh, Easter Sunday and um, it's just a real story. And uh, and it is, yes, there is a faith-based element, but it's an action, it's adventure, it's... it's, it's uh, it's just a good, good movie, I think. Dennis Quaid seems to work often enough in films that uh, celebrate values that last. Is that who he is? I think so. I've done, let's say, I've done Soul Surfer with him, Reagan, On a Wing and a Prayer. Um, he, you know, his family, he had a couple of kids that um, almost passed away uh, mm. like 14 or 15 years ago, or maybe even more than that. Um, they were given the wrong dosage of something at the hospital. And I think that swung Dennis like a, a, around. And so if you look at the types of films he makes, there's definitely um, not all of them, but he does movies that have faith based elements to it. And I think that that's how he gives back because he can do it with his work. Right, right. Sean McNamara is our guest. We're talking about his writing, his producing, his directing, and he was an actor as well. But let me let me ask you something. I, I am the caretaker for my 102-year-old mother, and I'm sorry to admit, we, we do not stream movies, but we do buy DVDs. <laughs> and and okay. uh, most recently, we watched this past week, The King's Daughter. Um, King's Daughter. I, I love the movie. My mom loved the movie, but here's my question. Um you have uh, in in a religious role, overtly religious role, William Hurt, and uh, we know he passed away from his uh, battle with cancer. Um, was it just a role for him, or was he actually at that point exploring questions of what's it all about, where am I going, where, where are we headed? Um, do you remember that about Bill Hurt? Because it's intriguing to watch the film and realize this guy was not that much longer in the world, and here he is talking about values that last, values that are eternal in the film that you made. Yeah, well, a couple of things that are interesting about that. I mean, his part is Père Lachaise was, or Father Lachaise, he was uh, for religious values and Pierce Brosnan was for science. And it was like the battle between religion and science. So that was just fun to explore in a fantasy film. I mean, in a weird way, that movie is a faith-based movie because it's challenging things. And yet there's this, you know, beautiful background in in Versailles and, and so forth. But William himself came off of that Almond's Brother film. It just had shut down because the young woman had gotten killed on the train tracks, and he was on the train tracks with her. And so, of course, that production shut down, and he literally left there and came to Paris where we were shooting. So he was, like, still in shock when he made this movie. He was, like, very much questioning, like, what's going on? And and, and we had many nights, late nights with cognac where we would like discuss what what life is about and why things why were the way they were so he was definitely in an exploratory place and um yeah it was a very very challenging for him to like make sense of how somebody could die on a movie set near him Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff so he was already starting to think about that and then afterwards we made another film together called the miracle season and that's he had beat cancer but I think he it was in remission, but he went and stayed at um, my home out on Vancouver Island and because it's near the water and he was able to kayak and he was um, he and he went there alone and he was just like exploring. He was always like writing the beauty of nature and all of this stuff. He was like, I feel like getting closer to God. 
I'm not sure exactly, but it was definitely he was exploring like what what the next round was going to be. An extraordinary actor and not the only extraordinary actor you've worked with. I, I saw, too, on your biography that you've uh, had encounters with uh, John Boyd, who I think the world of as an actor and and also the, the uh, backbone he's got to. I mean, he comes across as a Mr. Conservative supporting Trump. And I can't imagine in Hollywood that's an easy thing to do, you know, but uh, he seems to have strong convictions and stuff. These these people start from being great actors. Do you have the opportunity to get to know their philosophies of life, their philosophy and politics, their whole point of view? Absolutely. Um, the John not only is just a genius actor, he is just such a good man and, and good to talk to. And, you know, I've had the opportunity. I mean, literally, sometimes we'll be making a movie out in like Louisville, Kentucky, and on Sundays we're both at the washroom washing our underwear and socks because there's nobody <laughs> else out there. We find ourselves there talking philosophy and the state of uh, of the world. And look, he's I think 85 now, and he um, he has values from before. He's been around. He was around in the 60s where he was a Democrat, and he goes, "Things change." He goes, "I was there when decisions were made, and people are forgetting how the world has changed." Mm-hmm. The, you know, the freedom of speech alone getting pulled away, the freedom of religion just to express yourself. And so he says these things that, you know, when you listen to the whole story, he has a very strong, good point of view of where the, the, the world is now and where the world is going. And it's and it's definitely in his roots. I mean, he's been around a long time. I want to talk a little bit about Ted Melfi, who I'm sure you're familiar with. When he was a, a guest on our show, and I was intrigued, too. Years ago, we had John Abbotson on, and a lovely man. But going back to Ted Melfi, I, I asked him uh, movies like St. Vincent and others that he's directed. Some people love it, and some people don't. And I asked him what his view was of, of critics who don't like his films. <laughs> he, he didn't have any kind words to say about critics. Do you do you read critics? Do you care about critics? What's their power in in your own thinking? So it's interesting. I um, I definitely uh, they, they, I, I always go my my movies are fifty fifty with critics. Um, they half of them either love it and half of them hate it. Like Soul Surfer, half loved, half hate. Uh, same with Miracle Season and and Spare Parts. And um, I think they keep me humble to a certain way. But I do think they they go and attack in ways that are are like a little bit too too much. Like they they, I think to, they're clickbait. They love to take a certain degree of films and just just totally uh, uh, destroy them, if for lack of a better word. But um, I just don't take them that seriously because in the other column it says the audience reaction, and though you know the the mm-hmm. critic reaction might be at 56, 50, 46, or whatever. Uh, the audience reaction is like 90%. They love the movie and all that stuff. And I go, well, I made the movie for the audience. You know, so far, some people kind of get it. Sean McNamara is our guest. Sean, if you look back on a list of the films that were uh, the best films of the 40s, 50s, even the 60s, um, by and large, they're incredibly hopeful, happy, upbeat, Um and then, you know, I see films in recent times that have taken the Oscar. I'm thinking of uh, No Country for Old Men or whatever it's called. And and some of these films are so depressing and so hopeless. And uh, a hard question to ask you, but why does Hollywood put so much money into films that are such an incredible downer? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm always hopeful when there are films that do win the Academy Award that are more 
upbeat films. I mean, I remember Green Book one a couple of years ago, and I was like so happy because I like watching. I go, I know how to make that movie. I I could make a movie like that. Yeah. Um. But I know exactly what you're saying. But I, you know, for me, ever since Rocky, like the most inspirational movie. I, those were the types of films that I wanted to make. People down on their luck, they 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 fall, and somehow against all odds, they get back up and they strive and they fight and they go. Even a, a film like Father Stu, but there are films like that that are out there that try to uplift the spirit, and um, I like that. And I think I think what's great about films is you can make any film about anything, and ultimately the audience decides, you know, what what is good and what they want to see. But um, I know what you're saying. I like hopeful films. I like I like inspirational movies. And if it, generally my track record is those types of movies that at the end of the day, spiritual um, works uh, on the faith based films, you know, the love of God works. The, 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 the this absolutely works. I call it like chicken soup for the soul. Like <laughs> when I was in my twenties, I would read you know books and so forth. And every once in a while, you have to like see things that say good things are possible and so i think every once in a while you have to see good films are possible mm -hmm. and you have to like go and and they and watch them and look no matter what anybody says we learn how to live act dress talk from the movies and from television and and anyone who says oh no that's not where you get i go no way we all go to the movies we all go to watch now um streaming and television we are taught what it is to be a good human being and, you know, when I work with people like Roma Downey and I did, mm -hmm. Roma was the uh, producer on On a Wing and a Prayer and the types of films that she brings, she just brings goodness out into the world. And she, and she, we need more people like that because you want to, you first have, have to have the idea and then you got to fight for years. I mean, Soul Surfer took six years to make. Uh, that movie that you were holding, The King's Daughter, took um, like 12 years to get to the screen. I mean, it takes time to get these movies going and you just have to keep at it, keep at it, knowing that there's something good at the other end. So also Sean McNamara, if it takes that long to make a movie get out there, then you must be one of the most patient people in the world on top of being a believer. Um, promise last, last question for the folks who are watching and listening to a program like this, uh, the work that you have coming out now, what should people be looking for? And the, uh, the, the creative ideas of, of Sean McNamara are present in what films and where do we get them? All right, so the ones that are coming out in 2023 are On a Wing and a Prayer and Easter and Reagan. Those are coming out 2023. Okay. And uh, and then my next uh, film, um, and uh, Trinity, Leon Uris's Trinity, the Irish novel. That's what I'm working on right now, the the screenplay for that. So, um, And they're all ultimately, that they have characters who go through struggles and then triumph by the end. So that's what's coming. And then you, as far as advice to them is, you know, go see those types of movies. And and then if the box office goes up, they'll want to make more of those. That's right. I want to thank Sean McNamara for being with us. And if you go to Wikipedia, folks, and look him up, you'll see that the man has made so many films and, and he just never stops working to bring light and joy and, yes, hope into our world. And I'm so grateful that there are people like you, Sean McNamara, out there doing good work. And thank you for being with us on Personally Speaking. All right. Thank you. It's been a joy. Thank you for having me. 
as we end today's program, I want to thank you. And if you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can reach me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. This program, aside from being on the Catholic channel on Sirius XM, is also on YouTube. Please hit like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Giannisanti. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.